Peace be unto everyone in the listening audience. Welcome to another edition of the Mississippi On The Move podcast. I am your brother, Abdul Shahid Muhammad. And I am your brother, Kenneth Muhammad. And we're off and running again with yet another edition of the Mississippi On The Move podcast, uh, brought to you by the Believing Community of the Holly Springs, Mississippi, study group in Holly Springs, Mississippi. We're located at 165 
North Memphis Street there in Holly Springs. Please allow us to begin in the name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful. We bear witness to the oneness of God, to the oneness of his prophets, and the oneness of the messages that were revealed through them to the whole of humanity. Brother Kenneth, man, I'm glad to be back, man. How you feeling this evening, sir? Oh, brother, I'm doing fine by Allah's mercy and grace, brother. Glad to be on here with you. Uh, reaching out to our people and their listening audience and glad to be out of that heat, brother. It's about Ooh. 125. <laughs> brother, it's some people standing out there working, man. They look like they medium rare or something. So, but that heat, man, is dangerous. We're hoping that everybody's properly hydrating themselves and taking a break for those that are working outside, you know, take you a, a break every now and then. So brother, we're going to get right into it. We time is of the essence. We are expecting a special, special guest, the director of the Ida B. Wells Barnett Museum located at 220 Randolph Street there in Holly Springs, Mississippi. Her name is Reverend Leona Harris. So we want to get right to it, Brother Kenneth. We want to begin, of course, with our axiom. And we're going to do them one at a time, which is a, a suggestion that you gave, dear brother. And I think it's an excellent suggestion. And the axiom or the guiding principle for our discussions that we like to use, we'll start with the first one from the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, wherein he says to us, he who gives you the diameter of your knowledge prescribes for you the circumference of your activity. Now, Brother Kenneth, how does that set with you? What does that mean, man? <laughs> That's very deep. I remember the first time that I heard the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan say that, and he got to explaining it. And when you look at it, you know, mathematically, you know, once, you know, the diameter is set, then you draw using that um, compass, the circumference. And if the diameter is small, then guess what? Their circumference is small. Mm. So what that means, if someone who has prescribed to you a diameter of knowledge that is limited, very small in its scope, yeah. And your activity, your circumference, your activity, your life is mm. going to be very narrow. And yeah. what we see, uh, especially with the black community, us uh, through our uh, sojourn of slavery, uh, being indoctrinated in the ideology of white supremacy, uh, we had been robbed yes, sir. totally of the knowledge of self. And so our first teachers and those who were exploiting us and taking all of our skills, they never gave us or prescribed to us the diameter of knowledge that would allow us to move past where they wanted us to go. Yes, sir. That is correct. So essentially, brother, they became the thought police where they policed our thinking and made sure. Cause uh, as I think about your comments on it, brother, I remember uh, in our history, Yamba Lewis Farrakhan mentioning when uh, the early days of the establishment of the nation of Islam, the becoming of Master Farad Muhammad, to whom praises are due forever. And those who wanted to hear what he had to say, they would send the authorities, FBI, about believers' houses and question them about who is this that they're listening to. So there's always someone that wants to take a, per a, per a paternalistic posture where what we think and what we are taking in in terms of information is concerned. So that is so very true. It's very, it is, you're right, but it's very, very uh, deep statement. It's mathematical if you look at it and they take a mathematical approach 
with regard to uh, controlling, if you will, the diameter or the circumference of our activity. Because, you know, our condition is not just happenstance. Um, there are those who subscribe to this notion, brother, that, you know, some of our people and many of our people who are in the conditions, unfavorable conditions we find ourselves, they just want to be that way. They don't want nothing. No, 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 no. This is social engineering. Yes, sir, it is. It <laughs> is. Social engineering. At the highest degree. At the highest degree. So, brothers and sisters, keep that axiom in your mind. He who gives you the diameter of your knowledge prescribes for you the circumference of your activity. And I also brought to mind something that I heard the Honorable uh, Minister Louis Farrakhan say. He said, if a man won't treat you right, come on now, then how can you trust him to teach you right? Lord have mercy. Ain't that something? Yes, sir. Man won't teach you right or treat you right. He certainly is not going to teach you right. At least he won't teach you that that will free you from his control. So that is a very, very true statement. Now, we want to give a few shout outs to those who have already come on to the program and certainly thank all of you for taking time out your schedule to tune in to the Mississippi On The Move podcast. Our brother Keith Ford is on. Of course, brother Najee, man. Thank you for tuning in, sir. And others will be coming on shortly. We are expecting our special guest to come on, uh, Reverend Leona Harris. She is the director of the Ida B. Wells Museum. And Brother Kenneth, I'm prone to man to want to read her bio uh, before she gets in because it's pretty lengthy. And I really want uh, the audience to know about this sister. Uh, and, and I want to start first before I read that. I want to talk about history because Ida B. Wells is a prominent figure. And if she's not, she should be very prominent, uh, at least in our circles, a uh, prominent figure in history. I'm reminded of what uh, the Honorable Marcus Mosiah Garvey said about history when he said that a people without the knowledge of their past history, origin and culture is like a tree without roots. And most of us stopped there, but he continued saying history is the landmark by which we are directed into the true course of life. The history of a movement, the history of a nation, the history of a race is the guidepost of that movement's destiny, that nation's destiny, destiny, that race's destiny. What you do today that is worthwhile inspires others to act at some future time. And that's to me is very profound. And I think that's probably what inspires Sister Leona Harris, because when she learned about the work of Ida B. Wells, man, she picked the torch up and she was one of the driving forces in the establishment of that uh, museum down there in Holly Springs, Mississippi. Yes, sir. That's uh, some deep history. I was thinking about this past weekend uh, and being down there for the Juneteenth celebration and mm -hmm. just uh, observing and listening uh, to the people of Holly Springs and how they talk with so much passion and pride about their history mm -hmm. and their um, ties to the community. Uh, you find many of the people there, uh, lifelong residents of mm -hmm. Holly Springs. They went yeah. to Holly Springs High. Yes, sir. Graduated, went to Russ College. And then when they graduated there, uh, many of them uh, took jobs around the community. Some are school teachers mm -hmm. at the high school or even right. at the college. Yes. So it's a very, very tight-knit group yes. uh, down there. Uh, you really have that family uh, vibe going on. So yes, sir. I'm excited yes, sir. to listen to uh, what Dr. Harris has to say because um, 
uh, she was actually honored Monday at an event. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was uh, going to mention that. That the yeah. sisters uh, put on Beautiful. Uh, of Beautiful. the study group, the MGTGCC. And uh, as she began to uh, speak, uh, you, you find yourself trying to get a pen and paper mm-hmm. to write some of this stuff down because mm-hmm. it, it was remarkable, as well as the other honorees that yes, were sir. down there. There's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. You know, Mississippi is on the move. Come on now. Yes. And shout out to uh, uh, Rolanda Lester, who was also one of the honorees, and her husband, Tuan G, as I call him, and Tuan Lester. We certainly thank them for their hospitality and the extending the use of their uh, facility. Oak Palace down there in Holly Springs is a nice event, beautiful event center where we honored our sister Crystal Denise of the Black Liberation Movement. She was honored. We honored... Uh, Dr. Ivy Taylor of Rust College. She's the current president of Rust College. God willing, we will have her on next week as a special guest. We also honored uh, student minister emeritus, Sister Patricia Muhammad, uh, the uh, emeritus student minister of the Holly Springs, Mississippi Study Group. Sister also walked with uh, our brother Alfred Skip Robinson, who later became Abdul Aziz Muhammad. We also uh, honored Sister Tawanda. I think I'm pronouncing her name correct. Uh, she's a the first female sergeant to come out of uh, the Holly Springs Police Department. She's retired. We honored my little wife, uh, Sister Shahida Muhammad, for her acumen in entrepreneurship. And of course, Reverend Leona Harris. We honored her as well. And then I couldn't leave out my my sister, man. She she didn't know it was coming. I'm glad we she we blindsided her real good. Uh, sister Coretta Muhammad, who organized and put the things and the decorations and and the sisters that helped. It was just beautiful, man. So I felt really good about uh, about that program, and of course, all that went on this past weekend down in Holly Springs. Holly Springs is a busy, busy little town. Not many people down there, man. But as you just said, brother, Mississippi is on the move. Yes. A few minutes from now, about 714, past the top of the hour, uh, we're expecting a call momentarily from our sister Leona Harris, and we're going to get right into our program. We're not going to waste any time because, brothers and sisters, another uh, caveat, I, sh- I would call it, or another principle, uh, as stated by the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad regarding history, when he said, he said, first, history is above all our studies, the most attractive and best qualified to reward our research as it develops the springs and motives of human actions and displays the consequence of circumstances which operates most powerfully on the destiny of the human being. So these are things about history. And the thing about it, brother, we have been made or uh, how can I say? Made to feel or coached or pushed into this mindset that we need to forget about slavery. We need to forget about we can't live in the past because recounting our history is characterized as living in the past. And hey, we're getting that call right now. I think she's on the line. Let's see. Isalam alaikum, Reverend Harris. Yes, sir. How are you doing this afternoon? <laughs> uh, we are doing wonderful now, hearing your wonderful voice, and she's on the line, everybody. Let me tell you that I panicked. You know, uh, I thought I could just go to um, 
for the last call that I made and just punch the button and go right through. And it didn't. I said, oh, my goodness, don't start this now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sister, I wanted to give you some applause. Didn't mean to drown you out there, but I did. (laughs) I did want the audience to know that we are happy to have you on. Brothers and sisters, we have the director of the Ida B. Wells Museum located at 220 Randolph Street there in Holly Springs, Mississippi. Our sister, Reverend Leona Harris, we want to welcome you uh, to the bro program, dear sister. You're doing all right, right? I'm doing excellent. And I want to say to you and your staff that thank you so much. Uh, very excited and appreciate you all allowing us to have the opportunity to share with you what we are uh, doing here in Holly Springs, especially around the work that we're trying to put together, the uh, celebrating the 160 years since Ida B. Wells' birth. Yes. Here in Holly Springs on July the 16th. So I'm very excited about it. And uh, I want you to know and your entire staff that everything that you're doing to give us some assistance, we appreciate it greatly. Oh, sister, it is it is my pleasure <laughs> and honor to to be of some assistance. If I may, I want to read a little bit about you uh, in terms of uh your bio, I guess it is. And this is information that I got from the website of the Northeast District about yourself. And just mm-hmm. briefly, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I just highlighted a couple of things that I think the audience should know about you. It says, Reverend Leona Harris is the passionate, outspoken, and dedicated executive director of the Ida B. Wells Barnett Museum and Cultural Center of African American History located in Holly Springs, Marshall County, Mississippi. She was the leading force in creating the Ida B. Wells Barnett Museum. Reverend Harris was born in Holly Springs, Mississippi. She retired to her native Holly Springs, Mississippi, after contributing many years to education. And there's a lot more about you here. But those are two caveats that I really, really wanted the audience to know. And uh, I will say to the audience, go and visit the website and go and visit the museum itself. And we are going to, in this conversation, get a lot of more information from our sister about Ida B. Wells. Because Brother Kenneth got some questions for you, and so do I. So <laughs> let's let's get to it, uh, Reverend Harris. You ready, right? Oh, yes, already. Yes. Uh, Reverend Harris, uh, again, it's an honor to uh, have you on the show. I met you uh, Monday uh and I was, I was just commenting earlier before you came on, just listening to you speak. Uh, you want to grab a notebook and a pen, and you have me hanging on every word, just the way that you express yourself. And so we're honored to have you on here. I wanted to start because we entitled this program A Portrait of Struggle, The Life and Legacy of Ida B. Wells. Now, what was it about Ms. Ida B. Wells that attracted you to her? <laughs> well, you really, you kind of answered, you got your question in the, uh, you answer in the statement that you asked, and that is, is that she was a passionate crusader for justice. And mm. also, I was actively involved in a lot of activities, uh, not only here in Holly Springs, but back in the day when we first got started, I was actually involved in organizations in uh, Chicago where I had moved to to take care of my sister and was ready to come home quickly after she got well. Yes. But she insisted that I stay. 
And mm -hmm. I did. She told me I could go to school and uh, work if I stayed in Chicago. So I took her up on that. Okay. And making that decision uh, led me to getting introduced to Ida B. Wells and by way of a professor from Kennedy King Junior College in Chicago. Yes, ma'am. And yes. when they asked me to introduce myself, or they asked all of the students, but when they got to me, uh, and then I introduced myself as being from Holly Spring. And this professor said, oh, you're from Ida B. Wells, uh, hometown. And I thought to myself, so, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yes, ma'am. I, I, didn't, I didn't have an idea who this Ida B. Wells was. Wow. But in any case, um, to make a long story short, she, the professor came to me at the end of the uh, class and introduced herself to me and told me the work that she and her husband and family and friends was doing. And she wanted to, uh, me, invited me to her home to, to share with me, and she did. Now, this woman was a woman by the name of Dr. Margaret Burroughs, and I'm sure most of the people, everybody knew Dr. Burroughs because she was the founder. Right. A founding member of the Dusaba Museum in Chicago yes. uh, back in the day, which many say the Dusaba Museum was the first African-American museum that started in this country. So in any case, I joined her. And in doing that, uh, she she and her colleagues and all started introducing me to uh, people that they thought I needed to know because they saw me. She saw me as a person being interested in education. And so I got introduced to Ida B. Wells' uh, youngest daughter, Alfreda uh, Dustin. Mm -hmm. okay. And uh, then, then later on, to uh, one, to one, got introduced to one of her grand, uh, grandchildren, uh, Ida's grandchildren, and that was um, uh, Charles Dustin. Okay. And so, in any case. I had an opportunity to, to travel. They gave me an opportunity to, to travel after I had got joined with them and willing to work and everything. I got enrolled in school as I was interested in, and then I got a job. So I was able to work and travel. So an opportunity came up <laughs> for me to, <laughs> uh, to travel, uh -huh. and that was uh, to take a trip to Africa. Wow. Okay. And so I was very excited about that because the only thing I had ever known or heard about um, the uh, African countries was Tarzan and Jane. Oh, yeah. That's back so, in the day. <laughs> yeah, back yes. in the day. So I was interested in finding out, you know, what was going on there. And so um, in any case, I got the opportunity to go. Yes, ma'am. And I went because... Uh, my friends was teasing me what was going to happen to me if I go to Africa and so on and so on. Wow. But all those bad things they told me about did not happen to me. I recall the first trip that I uh, went, I ended up in Ghana. Oh, okay. And the first tour I went on in Ghana was the um, uh, Alamina, uh, Alamina, Alamina Castle. Uh -huh, Alamina the White Castle. Castle yeah, that's that's it. A white castle that be actually not a wasn't building the castle. It was ca castle. It was a dungeon. Yes, that was built right. on the Atlantic Ocean. Mm. And this tour guide he was telling us about when it was built and the purpose of it. And uh, they would uh, say that the Dutch would uh, pull into the um, castle and unload the slaves. 
yes, people ma'am. that they had gone out in the African communities and uh, captured uh, these peoples and brought them into the, into these castles, housed them there like a bunch of animals uh, until they got the castle filled. Then they the, slate, the ship would come and wow. load up and take them away. So in any case, that was one of the things that really touched me because my grandmother had already told, asked me before I left. She mm-hmm. said, find out something for me when you go there. Find out is that's where black folks from because that's what I've been told. Wow. And so uh, I was excited. And so when I got back to Chicago, I did a presentation at the college. I did my presentation at some of the high school and then I headed to Holly Springs <laughs> because wow. I wanted to show my slides here, you know, because I was born here in Holly Springs so far in the country, you couldn't even find your way there now. <laughs> but in case, I was very excited. Oh. And so I had to show these slides to my grandmother and some of the kids in the neighborhood they came by to watch and so on. Uh-huh. And so I was really, really uh, glad to know that the other was interested. So, but you know, it was no big deal to me after I had shown the grandmas I was good. But then the community, people in the community, and people who came down and sat in my grandmother's house watching it, show thought it would be a good thing that we would continue. So that's mm-hmm. what I decided to do. I decided to, you know, whenever they wanted to have a show of a showing of African American slides, that's what I do. So. We had gotten to the point that people would come and they would donate money to us. And so the suggestion hmm. was made to us to, um, uh, you, we need to have a name for ourselves. See, uh, you know, uh, people's going to start giving money now. And this, this money uh, is more than we need to buy refreshment. Uh-huh. So we need to be accountable for it. <laughs> and so, uh, and so we need a name and address and, you know, because at first we just, uh, put in the paper that we're going to have the slideshow at a certain place and no sponsor, uh, just come out and join us and enjoy yourself. So in any case, when that suggestion was made, we needed a name. The first thing that came to my mind uh, was Ida B. Wells. Now, the reason it came to my mind, I was born and reared in Holly Springs. I was there in Chicago and this woman asked me, had said to me that this, you know, the, uh, I was from Ida B. Wells' hometown. Uh-huh. And I sat there like a dummy and said, oh, so what? That's what I said to myself. <laughs> I didn't even know. So I figured that, well, if I didn't know, somebody else in Holly Springs did not know Ida B. Wells was born in Holly Springs because she was such mm. a woman of such a caliber. You know, she was a great leader, a great woman. Yes. And so and that's why I said what I did. And so that's actually how we got started. Uh, mm. Back in the day, as a uh, uh, just showing slideshow about my trip to Africa. Wow. And Ida V. Wells came into being because of the fact that we needed a name to pass on to other people to let them know because Harvard Springs, and not the name, how many people back then was thinking about Mississippi. Uh-huh. They thought it was the worst place in the world you could be. And so I just took pride in it. And from that, you know, people started asking questions, want to know this and that and other. And so we continue to work and continue to, um, you know, to do slideshows, continue to uh, talk about Ida B. Wells. And then we started inviting her family to come and gather with us and so on. Mm. So that's how really, you know, the the museum got started. So we officially got 
uh, chartered in uh, 1996. Okay. In a little okay. storefront here in Holly Springs. And so, and then we decided, well, we need to be have a reason for being established. So we, just, we came up with the uh, suggestions that, well, we, we're establishing to, um, to enlighten and inspire uh, the lives of people, not only in Hollow Springs, but everywhere. How do we do that? We're going to do it by you know, preserving and disseminating contribution of African and African-Americans in the field of history and art. And not only to Hollow Spring, but we want to spread it to the world. So even today, we continue that. Uh, even though we all are volunteers, we mm-hmm. do everything possible to make uh, make Ida B. Wells be known around the world because she deserves it. And now she begins to get some rec- some recognition, yes, not ma'am. as much as she should, but she getting some recognition because there was a time she was not getting any. Right. So okay. we we are just elated. Yes, ma'am. We are elated to have you on this program. And I'm telling you, you've just given a history class. And as Brother Kenneth said earlier, when you began recounting and informing uh, those that are listening, and I'm telling you, you got a you got an audience here, sister. People have tuned in and they're they're listening to the podcast. And it is very important that these kinds of histories, if we're getting it straight from the person who was there at the genesis of the establishment of the Ida B. Wells uh, Museum. And we're going we're to get a couple of more questions in because I definitely want to get to what's up and coming in July because we not mm-hmm. only want to talk about the history, we want to talk about the current events and what's on the horizon uh, for the uh, Ida B. Wells Museum and its relationship to the Holly Springs community and even to uh, Rust College. Um, uh, you got another question, Brother Kenneth? You want me to get one of these that you've got? Brother Kenneth is a question man around here, so he he's shouldering this load with me, and I certainly appreciate it. You got one, sir? Well, brother, there's a whole lot. I'm just sitting here <laughs> uh, like a sponge absorbing all of that. But something you just said a second ago, uh, Reverend Harris, about um, Ida B. Wells and she's not really getting her due or mm-hmm. being mentioned. And one of the questions that I had for you was that because uh, when I first, I remember uh, coming up reading about uh, Ida B. Wells and the anti-lynching yeah. uh, stance that she had took and how adamant she was and, and the pushback she got at that time where she literally had to, uh, you know, leave town with all mm-hmm. of that she's done why do you think uh reverend harris that she isn't mentioned as much talked about uh as some of the other uh human uh, rights activists i don't like using the word civil rights you know because it's human rights that uh our people were uh seeking uh why do you think that is the case uh miss harris well, first of all, you, you said um, you, you don't like the word, uh, what you say, civil rights? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, well, I use the word humanitarian from Ida B. Wells. Because Wonderful. if there ever been a humanitarian, Ida B. Wells won because she stood for it all. Yes, ma'am. She was faced with all kinds of um, um, things, uh, even before she got involved in lynching. Um, she... She never, she never stepped down. She never turned her back. She never, she always, if she got knocked down, she would get up and 
get at it again. Mm. And this could be seen, you know, that's how she earned the name, a passionate crusade against oppression. It, it didn't matter what the condition was, but if it was wrong against humankind, Ida B. Wells stood up against it. Now, it wasn't just the uh, Black issue that she fought for to help to make things right, because she was actively involved in the women's movement. Right. Uh, she and Susan B. Anthony locked hands together to mm -hmm. for one reason. Now, ideological, from an ideological point of view, they, uh, these two women were at two different ends of the spectrum, but they had they they had they knew that there was a need and it was only one need. And for wow. them to get that resolved, they knew that they had to compromise and uh, make it happen. And so Ida B. Wells and Susan B. Anthony got together. And Ida and Susan was able to convince uh, Ida that you know, you know it, it would be to their advantage, all of us, all of everyone, in order to work together and make it happen. Ida be well to accept that task, and she traveled all over this country, mm. organizing African American women to vote. You got to vote. You must vote. You have to. And now, don't think it was easy roses all the way through. It wasn't. They had their differences. They had their uh, ups and downs, and there was this serious discussion. It, Ida B. Wells talked about this in her book when she said <laughs> she said that uh, I, uh, that Susan B. Anthony had told her during the time of the march that they when they marched in two, 20, uh, 2013, I think, was when they marched in front of the right for women to vote. Uh, say, say Susan B. Anthony told her, now you tell your ladies to uh, make sure they march at the end of the line because we don't want to insult the Southern white women. Wow. And, and, and Ida B. Wells, she didn't, she didn't say exactly what she said, but she know what she said, so I won't say <laughs> But she, she thought that was very, you know, ridiculous, uh -huh. which she did not because they had been working together to make this happen. Uh -huh. And here this day, they, you know, but the full, that's all part of working together. You're not going to agree with everything an individual or groups do and say. Damn. You have we have to learn how to work together. Wow. Just like we did back in the day. You know what I mean? People need to work together, cooperate together, and all this fabrication. Uh, leave it behind. It's it's not good. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. No, you go right ahead. I'm sorry. You probably heard me through my cell phone. But no, oh, okay. go right ahead. Continue. No, I, I, you know, I was pretty much done. Oh, okay. Uh, I was just saying that uh, these. The, I want to make one point too about her activities and her whole struggle uh -huh. is that uh, when she organized a group of women in Chicago around this whole effort to get African Americans and whites to get to vote, to get the opportunity to vote, mm -hmm. uh, she. Um, the uh, she organized a group called the Afro Suffragist Movement. Uh huh. Uh, was one of the major groups that uh, Ida B. Wells organized to uh, help the to help to perpetuate the efforts around women's getting the right to vote. Now you know and I know what better thing could have been given to women's as a whole than the opportunity to vote. And yes, now is the time, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Now is the time that these women, now they know this. Now, many, many women didn't even know 
They didn't know the struggle that we had to get a chance to vote and the important. This is why history is so important because see, if you don't know your history, you are gonna repeat it. Uh-huh. Things mess up, don't know nothing, and just walk around in a daze. That's right, sister. It's interesting you talk about the having the the uh, I, I describe it as the the you know the political, spiritual, and social sophistication and maturity. <laughs> to work beyond differences. And and I was telling Kenneth, and when you overheard me through my phone, that that's what uh, we introduced last week, you know, when we said that we may not agree on principles in certain areas, but we can all agree on the ills of the community to work towards resolving them and ridding the community uh, and our communities uh, of the ills that we suffer from. Of course, the, the injustice that we deal with in the Delta, you know, some of the fratricidal conflict amongst our young people, the poverty and lack of opportunity and, and other ills uh, like the abuse of our children, the abuse of our yes. women, the disrespect of yes. our elders, all of those things. So yes, we can agree absolutely. on that. So, but And that's why that should compel us to work beyond where we disagree and find where we agree and move forward mm-hmm. from there. Sister, uh, uh, Miss Harris, I want to uh, move forward into today, because as I understand it, uh, you got some exciting things on the horizon in the coming days very soon, uh, like on the 16th of July, as I understand it. And we're going to be involved helping you uh, uh, with the activities that will be taking place in Holly Springs. And we've uh, went over the importance of the legacy and memory of Ida B. Wells and the importance of that cultural center and museum there. What can, uh, I want you to talk about what do we have upcoming? What do you have upcoming uh, in Holly Springs uh, with regard to the Ida B. Wells Museum? Yeah, well, what we're looking at, uh, as I mentioned earlier, that we're looking at celebrating 160 years since uh, Ida Wells' birth here in Holly Springs at 220 North Randolph Street. Uh, we are going to have a variety of activities uh, starting out on Friday, July the 15th. Uh, we, at 10 o'clock, we're going to have our opening for the weekend. And it will consist of, um, and we are inviting, you know, everyone. It's going to be right in the backyard uh, at the museum, especially mm-hmm. the ceremony for the new founders garden that we uh, establishing, uh, might say kind of renovating it a bit because we're changing some of the trees and things there. But we, uh, we're we going to have an opening of the Founders Garden. And this Founders Garden is, is to honor uh, five grandchildren of Ida B. Wells. Mm. And these five grandchildren were the grandchildren that established the organization called the Ida B. Wells Memorial Foundation. Right. And the Ida B. Wells, which was established in 1988, and this uh, organization was established to protect and preserve and to disseminate the history and culture of Ida B. Wells, a legacy. And um, and they are doing a good job on it because they stand on top of, you know, they've always, it's up from the very first time I met them, it's got to know this family well. We would invite them to come. They would come to Holly Springs. Well, they traveling all over this country now. In fact, I saw one of the young uh, leaders of the group, uh, Michelle Dustin, 
was mm-hmm. at the White House when they had this uh, Emmett Till Act signed, right. you know, and um, so they're still moving around. So in any case, we're going to have that that Friday morning at 10 o'clock. And, okay. and then also um, we're going to uh, have on Saturday, uh, some of the highlights we have on Saturday is, is going to be uh, we'd have a special ceremony, which will honor uh, some of the, our local trailblazers okay. and retired educators, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Uh, Lawrence Archer. And, um, this in the um, at, okay, Mr. and Mr. Otis, Mr. and Mrs. Otis Anderson okay. also is going to be two that's going to be uh, recognized. But that that's going to take place on Saturday uh, between twelve and two. And so what we're trying to do is um, is give the opportunity for the seniors who say, well, I don't want to drive at night or can't drive at night. Uh, we want to give them the opportunity to come out and enjoy the uh, festivities and enjoy the uh, recognition that they are given. You know, so many times that our people, we usually have a tendency to give flowers after they expire. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, so my contention, my contention and I would agree that look, you need to you need to lift. We need to lift each other up. We need to let people know why they live it, how much we appreciate them. Yes, you know. Yes. And, I agree. Um, so, in any case, that that's going to be that Friday. Uh-huh. I mean, that Saturday. Yes, ma'am. Now yes, ma'am. we're going to finish at two o'clock. That'll give everybody time to um, go and refresh themselves and get ready for the banquet, the gala, we call it the birthday gala. Uh-huh. And uh, we're going to have a, uh, a special uh, uh, presentation uh, from uh, the Honorable Mayor Sharon D. Gibson, okay. which is the newly elected female mayor uh, and African-American of Holly Springs. Yes, ma'am. So we are planning a gala time. So if you want to and can, you, you might everybody can't come, but you know they can go to our website and make a donation okay. uh, to the event. And we'll That's be giving we you that do. information. <laughs> we'll be putting that information out shortly. So uh, okay. rest assured, All okay? Right. All right? Mm-hmm. Yes. All righty. Okay. Well, we got that coming up. And we have some more questions here because one of the things that wait, I wait, let me, no, wait, go ahead. just before you ask that question, I forgot to mention too, uh, on that Saturday morning, I'm so sorry, on that Saturday That's morning okay. at 830, uh, we're going to get started early. reason uh-huh. for that is that Michelle Duster, which is the great granddaughter of Ida B. Wells, uh, uh-huh. is going to do a book signing. Okay. And this book signing is going to be for young people, she 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 wrote a book uh, entitled uh, "The Voice of Truth." I think that's the title, "The Voice of Truth." But it's a children's book. It's new; just came out just a few months ago. Mm-hmm. So what we are doing in this instance that you usually have books and book uh, activities and so on for grown-ups. This is strictly for children. Now the adults can come. We're not saying they shouldn't come, but we are focusing on young people because yes, it's a book for young people and we want the young people to get the 
uh, have the experience of books that they read. There's somebody write those books, have written right. those books. So why not have an opportunity to meet, you know, some of these leaders, some of the people who are doing this right? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I went down the list on the questions a couple because I wanted to make sure we got that in before you got away because I know you're very busy. You expressed to me that your time is limited. So I want to get the major things in. But one question I do have uh, relative to young people that you just mentioned, uh, Ms. Harris, is how what we do to to reconnect, if you will, the young people to these kinds of legacies and, and people in our history that struggled because I'm reminded of what Pat Buchanan wrote in his book, The Death of the West, uh, when he quoted uh, a German philosopher by the name of Alexander Solzhenitsyn, when uh, Mr. Solzhenitsyn said, and Patrick Buchanan, uh, you know, he ran for president just a few years ago, and he was lamenting the fact that America is fading because our history, the, the, the history, the Lincolns and all of this kind of stuff is being supplanted by other cultural histories. So he quoted Mr. Solzhenitsyn. Mr. Solzhenitsyn said, to destroy a people, you must first sever their roots. And then Pat Buchanan asked the question, how does one sever a people's roots? And he answered the question because it was rhetorical. He said, you destroy its memory, deny a people the knowledge of who they are and where they came from. So that's very recent. This book is was written, I think, in the early 2000s or you know, around 2000, between 2000 and 2010, I think. And he's saying in this modern context, if you want to destroy people, just deny them access to who they were and what they did. In other words, their history. Hmm. So my question to you today, how do we overcome this, this barrier that's between the youth and our history and our elders that can be the teachers uh, of our young people, what? How do you see us overcoming that? I, I I think that this podcast you're doing now is one good way to do it. And main thing too that we need to get our young people and um, start to teach them. Mm -hmm. See, I, my own thinking is is one of the things that happened uh, during the '60s. We allowed our kids to be integrated into these institutions where they had never been before. They, uh -huh. uh, many of the teachers didn't, teaching them had, didn't have a clue about who, if the kids didn't know who they are, you know the teachers didn't know. If we look at the situation today, we're going to have to almost just rewrite history wow. because there's been so much fabrication and so much misinterpretation, you yeah. know, and, and uh, we, we just got to get it right. We got to get it from the horse's mouth. Uh, a lot right. of times, many, many times, what's happening is right now, people have lost confidence in our country in terms of what we can do and what we're going to do. We mm. got to be able to be like we were in the old days. You know, stand up, speak up, Come be on. honest, be fair. That's you right. You know, is that so hard, you know, to do? Mm. Uh, I don't like so-and-so because um, they run with... Bessie. Come on, sister. I, I, I'm a somebody else person. It, right. I mean, we should find some ways to work together, irregardless of who is a human being, mm -hmm. uh, irregardless of the circumstances. Yes. Uh, I, look, I'm a firm believer in what uh, Dr. Carter G. Woodson said. Yes, it, it is, in essence, what this man was speaking about. 
Dr. Carter G. Woodson told us, he said a people without a knowledge of the history is like a tree without roots. They just die. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. And that will, that will happen. It gives you, you to know about who you are, where you from, where you going. It gives you pride. It gives you prestige. I mean, look, I have had a rough time. A lot, a lot of things that I'm saying to you is not because of something that's red per se. Right. But I have experienced, I've been around a long time. Yes, ma'am. I have experienced these things. My grandmother told me how to be and why I should, how, how to act. I didn't let nothing take that from me. Mm. I still believe what she said was true. Because, like, for instance, she's the one that first gave me that idea. She said, when I told her, I said, Grandma, I said, I got a chance to go to Africa. Uh-huh. I said, but people are making fun of me. So in any case, she told me, she said, well, find out something for me. And then my man went to say, oh, Lord, what can I find out? I said, yes, Grandma, because see, I didn't have no choice. I'd be nice, irregardless of the circumstances. Right, <laughs> I could <right>. be disappointed. <laughs> and so what happened was is that she gave me a simple prophecy. She said, look, just uh, find out. I've been told that that's where black folk came from. And one of the first countries I went to was Ghana. And they even say today that Ghana, Nigeria, that area is the place where most of the African-American came from. Wow. You know, wow. you know, yes, and so ma'am. it made me feel proud. And I have to say that when I speak of pride, I'm speaking of it from an experience of those trips to Africa. Uh-huh. The fact that I got introduced to a, a professor in college that uh, kind of paved the way. You know what? I, listen, uh-huh. I have sat and talked with, worked with Gwen, people like Gwendolyn Brooke, Austin uh-huh. Davis, wow. Margaret Burrow. Come on. Char- I mean, these people, you know, these people, you'd be surprised of how I, what, the price they've been paid. Yes, ma'am. But what we uh, enjoy today. Come on, sister. You know, and, yeah. and it's, it's, so we have to get back to the basic. We have, look, <laughs> I remember um, I remember Malcolm X saying to um, the statement, making the statement about uh, uh, people that we, he said people were not uh, ready. Uh-huh. The African American was not ready for no integration. He was in, in a sense against that's the way I understood it back in the day. Didn't, uh-huh. He didn't think we need no integration. And yeah. so you know, I thought to myself, I said, well, you know, I don't understand why not. But in any case, uh, uh-huh. he and Dr. King didn't get along at first. Right. But what happened was after he went to Mecca, some trip that he took, and he came back with a different tune. The tune he came back with, he and Dr. King was ready to sit down and meet together. Yes, ma'am. And yes. that that was the end of that relationship. So, you know, I still think that, you know, the best thing that we can do is to we have all kinds, all kinds of schools, all kinds of organizations, right. uh, all kinds of committees and things. Look, right here in Holly Springs, our school was having a problem um, with a school that failed mm-hmm. to reach a certain grade level. Right. But the district had scored perfect, basically, all the way across the board until they got to this little black school there. And they just failed. They got an F. Right. So on our board, we had a retired principal. 
and about six retired teachers that still were certified. Uh-huh. And as a matter of fact, most of us, uh, uh, all of us, had ba- background in teaching. So I went to the, this principal, and he was retired. And I said to him, I said, you know what? I said, this museum is sitting here. And I said, we got 12 rooms. There's no reason why that we can't turn one of these rooms into a school to pull those young people from that F back up with these others. You know, and I mm-hmm. said, that's what we need to do. So we yes. have to use our churches, our organizations, uh, individuals, and so on to to help uh, get our young people back on track. Yes, Let's ma'am. not give up on them yes, that's because that's our future. That's right. You know what I mean? Yes, ma'am. It's our future. And you know, Miss. I hope I answered your question. Oh, you you definitely answered the question. <laughs> and you know, Miss Harris, you you mentioned this that this podcast is one of the ways, and and our goal here is to to be the tip of the spear, if you would, using the language that my brother, student minister Abram, would use down in Jackson, Mississippi. Being the tip mm-hmm. of the spear as it relates to controlling the narrative and starting conversations that are meaningful to us and that are germane to our experience. And this is why mm-hmm. our news organ, the Final Call newspaper, because our people seek information sources that are not the best information sources. In fact, they are information sources that are fashioned and have the expressed goal of uh, rewriting our history and stripping it of the the historical nutritional value, if you will, that would inspire our young people to pick up the mantle of Ida B. Wells, to pick up a mantle of the great ones that walked before us. Because something that the people you've associated with, you and yourself are a treasure. I've sat here and listened to the people that you have had a brush with in your history, in your contributions you've made to the struggle, sister. So there has to be an apprentice where you're concerned, lest uh, those who don't have the best interest of Ida B. Wells in the museum don't have the best interest at heart. They take over it and monetize it, you know, and, and begin to whitewash her history because there's plenty of evidence out here today that the history of our great ones are being whitewashed because I remember mm-hmm. when they put Malcolm X's stamp out, they made Malcolm X a civil rights leader leader. Well, Malcolm made it clear that he was, his philosophy was black nationalism, you know, and you said it when mm-hmm. he talked about him and King, but we're still, and, and, oh, go, and, ahead. You know, that's go ahead. Another thing, that's another thing too. You, we let other folks decide who our leaders are. Come on, Ms. Harris. That African is so right. American need to do what they did back look out of wells you know uh you didn't pick her leader she picked her own leader <laughs> Frederick douglas was one example that was her leader uh this brother that was uh getting ready to go they chased him out of house uh, out of the country mm-hmm. sent him back to the caribbean um uh, i can't think his name right now but in any case that uh-huh. was one of her friends she connected and identified with people who understood understood the work that she was doing and willing to work with her. Yes, ma'am. And that's what we need to do. Absolutely. We need to, when we learn uh, from uh, Malcolm, when we learn from Ida B. Wells, when we learn from Rosie Parks and these people, then what we have to do is try to emulate them. That, that, that is, our children need to have, uh, uh, you know what, this DOS that they just published, put out. Mm-hmm. Ida B. Wells. Can you imagine you uh, taking your child to the bed, bedroom uh-huh. and reading a story to that child about Ida B. Wells? Come That's on. That's right. 
That's right. It, that that's awesome. Awesome. That would this a different and make a big difference. Yes. Because then you, you know they will grow. That child will grow up with some of the thoughts and the positive things that going on in individuals' lives that they are reading about. You know that's you know one of the questions people are asking about Ida B. Well, you know I just and, and, <laughs> I just wonder how in the world that she was that that woman was just so smart and so intelligent and uh you know she was a, a great speaker and right. journalist and all how did she well if you read what uh Ida said, see that people been reading what somebody else said. Come on. I, I have been here in this this particular building for twenty years. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I always ask people about what they, where, what they're reading, and, and they tell me everything except Crusade for Justice. They don't never say anything about that. I had one young man to come here maybe two or three months ago and told me that he had read that book. And you know, I was really flabbergasted because you know everybody <laughs> else said. And I often wonder how in the world can you write something about somebody that you never have. Uh, Come on, sister. They never had the opportunity to read what they said about themselves. Mm. You can, I can tell you my story better than you could tell me my story. I think I can. And I you, think I yes, you certainly you can. Know? You certainly So that's can. what we have to do. We have to, you know, kind of take our kids back and not say, well, you know, uh, we just lost a generation of kids and we can't do that. Everything is possible. I heard a wise person say that when AP say yeah. children are lost, they're not lost. The parents are lost. No, they, they, their <laughs> parents are lost. And some of these grownups that need to be teaching them are lost. Right. You know what I mean? Because they've gotten lost. we got to uh, stop all this negative stuff and mm-hmm. think positive. Yes, all ma'am. things are possible, you know, yes, through ma'am. Christ who's in us. We can do it if we put our mind to it. That's right. Somebody in the audience said to you, thank you, Sister Harris, from our sister, Audrey G. She said, thank you, Miss Harris. And another uh, uh, audience member, our sister, Tammy Muhammad, she said, so true uh, to what you were saying. Sister Harris, we are right at the top of the hour. I'm not sure how much time you have left. We want to get to our commercials, but before we get to it, I want to uh, let the audience know uh, what's going on with the 2022 Ida B. Wells Burnett birthday celebration from the website. Uh, says here in the website that the Ida B. Wells Barnett Museum is hosting its annual Ida B. Wells birthday celebration on July 15th and 16th, 2022. It will mark the 160th anniversary of Ms. Wells's birth in Holly Springs, Mississippi in 1862. On each day of the celebration, members of her family will share the legacy of Ida B. Wells. On Saturday, July 16th, the museum's annual fundraising gala will feature keynote speaker, the Honorable Mayor Sharon D. Gibson, the uh, mayor of Holly Springs, Mississippi. The event will be held at 7 p.m. at the Eddie Lee Smith Center located at 235 North Memphis Street in Holly Springs. Gala tickets are available for our listeners. Gala tickets. The tickets to the gala are $50. I will be there, Miss Harris. You can count on your brother. And some of us will be there. I'm going to get my ticket. And it includes a one-year individual museum membership. And tickets, uh, you can order tickets at the website. There's a PayPal buy button that you can go to the Ida B. Wells Museum website and get your tickets. I definitely want to get that in. 
uh, Ms. Harris. And there are some up. There's more information in, ter- in terms of sponsorship opportunities that people can yes. help. And I want our listening audience, brothers and sisters, we need to make an investment in uh, entities like the Ida B. Wells Barnett Museum here in, in, in Holly Springs, Mississippi. If Mississippi is going to get on the move, we can't allow to happen what uh, my man Pat Buchanan was talking about what was happening to America. America's roots are being destroyed and her memory is being destroyed. So that's how you destroy people. So we need to recapture and reclaim what is rightfully ours. Sister Harris, we we thoroughly enjoy how much more time we got because I'm going to take, we're going to take a break. That's okay with you, Ms. Harris. We got some, uh, some, some information we want to get in and some, uh, some uh, commercials. So, you just stay with us. We'll be right back in about three or four minutes. Worldwide, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Download the Final Call radio app and take us everywhere. On your phone, on your computer, on your tablet, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also log on to FinalCall.com and click the Listen Live button. Or FinalCallRadio.com. Final Call, Final Call Radio. The official voice of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam. What's your source for truth in news reports? No justice, no peace! No justice, no peace! Where do you turn for non-corporate-driven news that's fair and balanced? Subscribe to the Final Call News, your number one free and independent news source that delivers hard-hitting national and international news coverage of today's political, economic, and social issues. To subscribe to local home delivery, call us at area code 662-252-8999. That's 662-252-8999. Visit our website at www.finalcall.com. The Urban Indulgence Bath and Body Boutique. At Urban Indulgence, we pride ourselves on offering quality, effective skin care. Handcrafted with plant-based, skin-loving ingredients, our soaps and body butters will give you luxurious lather and ultimate moisture. Experience the Urban Indulgence at 3314 Poplar Avenue in Memphis, three blocks west of Poplar Plaza, or shop with us online at theurbanindulgence.com. Theurbanindulgence.com. Mississippi on the And we're back, back, back with the Mississippi on the Move podcast. I am your brother, Abdul Shaheed Muhammad, along with um, Brother Kenneth Muhammad. And we have the last few minutes of the director of the Ida B. Will, Ida B. Wells Barnett Museum in Holly Springs, Mississippi. And Reverend Harris, you got any parting words you want to leave us with before you go? I know you're very busy and I didn't want to hold you no longer than necessary. And we certainly appreciate you for coming on. What do you have for us before you get out of here, Ms. Harris? Well, first of all, I want you all to know that um, Ida B. Wells, we are, all of us, we still are volunteers. Yes. This organization is operated, not funded by federal or state funding. Uh, it's funded by you, you, and me. <laughs> yes, ma'am. The public, you know, the various donations. And so, 
you know, just um, think about it in, in, for a second and um, remember that uh, home sites are special sites and special places. And as you begin to go through um, life, um, think about the Ida B. Wells Museum that uh, that's here, been here for now. We've been in this building for 20 years uh -huh. and uh, tried to support not only Ida B. Wells Museum, other museums, other cultural centers uh, that's highlighting the, the culture and history of other peoples, you know? Yes, we all in the same boat. So we are volunteers. We're looking for volunteers to come and help us uh, to make this uh, organization become a state of the arts museum. There's no okay. reason why it cannot be. You know, we have the the peoples out there and the resources. Um, we would be happy to have you to come and work with the B. Wells Museum. And, um, you can, we have committees that you can work on, companies mm -hmm. uh, that you can work on, uh, uh, volunteer committees you can work on to, to coordinate the work of volunteers. Yes, so, and it's a different take when you're working with volunteers now because, say, for instance, you know, while we are working with this activity, uh, we got people all over the country uh, doing something, you know, to help us out. It's not everybody that's in Holly Springs, right. you know. Um, the, you know, like your your organization are helping us yes, uh, to make sure that we be able to publicize the uh, the the unique recognition, yes, uh, honor, and I want to say too that this is. Um, Loretta Cole is mm -hmm. the one that's sponsoring this activity for the Ida B. Wells Museum senior citizens as we re as the museum recognized those trailblazers that I Shout mentioned. Shout out to Ms. Cole. Yeah, Mr. Archery and uh, Mrs. Anderson and uh, Mr. and Mrs. Anderson and uh, her, her, her family. So in any case, uh, we at 220 North Street, Holly Springs, Mississippi. Uh, you can reach us by calling 662-579-5747. That's the 2424 number. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> call that number again, sister. And, we want them to hear it. Yes, 662-579-5747. And then you can call the office. The office number is 662-252-3232. And... Um, you can always visit our website. All of the information that's been discussed uh, this evening is uh -huh. listed on the website. So yes. that you can uh, tune in to uh, uh, IdaBWells.org. Yes, ma'am. You'll get to the website. So thank you so much. Sister, uh, thank you. Sister. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Okay. Enjoy it. it All right. Pleasure. God bless you, and we'll, we'll be in your hip pocket. If you need us, just give us a call, and we'll come running, all right? I certainly will be calling. Thanks yeah. so much. All, all right. right. Thank you. Thank you. God bless. Have a good evening. And brothers and sisters, that was our dear sister, Reverend Leona Harris, the director of the Ida B. Wells Museum. Uh, make sure you take to heart the information she disseminated, and just to give you a little more information from the website, as you heard me mention earlier, about the events coming up the July 15th and 16th in Holly Springs. Also on the website, there is a page at the Ida B. Wells Barnett, the Cultural Center of African-American History, uh, where you can go and make donations. And it says that the, 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 uh, the museum depends on support of its donors and volunteers, and which essentially what she said. 
make sure you call the number 662-252-3232. And to donate, you can go to the web page and just uh, follow the tabs and you can donate via PayPal. So that's it for that segment of our program, brother Kenneth. Yes, sir. We got to get to that newspaper that everybody should have in their home. And I'm calling on the Holly Springs community community. I want about a thousand people. That's all I want, brother Kenneth, just to start. I need about 1000 people to subscribe to the final call newspaper. We will deliver it right to you. If you live in Holly Springs, if you live in Victoria, Mississippi, if you live in Red Banks, if you live Within a 15 to 20 mile radius of Holly Springs, I'll make it on out to about 25 miles. We can deliver that paper to you on a weekly basis. Uh, So if you're interested and uh, would like to have a copy of the Final Call newspaper weekly, we ask that if you're on this podcast, give us a buzz. You can send your email or you can email me, A underscore M-U-H-A-M-M at South. Dot net if you would like to get the final call and we'll get you our P.O. box uh, of where to mail your inquiry. So, Brother Ken, let's yes, get sir. to this final call segment and we're going to move right into the FCN segment brought to you by our brother Kenneth Muhammad. Thank you, uh, Brother Shaheed. Uh, this week's edition of the Final Call newspaper is entitled Carnage and Confusion. And the lead article is in reference to, uh, if you've been watching it on the news the last several weeks, been dealing with the January 6th. Uh, they like to call it an insurrection. You know, it gives us uh, a real pretty name. <laughs> but, you know, we, we call it terrorism, uh, domestic terrorism, rioting, looting, all those kind of things. <laughs> but at any rate, uh, what you're seeing right before your eyes is the unraveling of a great nation. That's right. And as these hearings take place, you are seeing the divide in America and it's getting wider and wider. And now mm. you're, you're having people drawing lines in the sand. Uh, there's information coming out that this just wasn't a, a happenstance get together mm-hmm. by some angry whites. This was a highly orchestrated and organized event. And mm. one of the things that, um, caught everyone eye in the black community is they asked the question now those were black people acting like that <laughs> storming the capitol building kicking in doors you know pushing assaulting physically and verbally uh officers would they have shown as much restraint and then of course, we know we all, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm motioning what the answer is. I didn't say it. The answer is, is an emphatic. No, they would not have shown that level of restraint. And so what we uh, brought to my mind was something that the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan said that he's going to pull back the mask of civility. And so you can see America for what she truly is and Mm -hmm. that's what's going on uh, right now Uh, many of us who have put all of our hope into a political system that only comes to us uh, when they need us and then after they secure our vote they give us uh, tokenism but we are relatively in the same 
condition, no matter who sits in the seat of power, That's whether right. it's Democrat or Republican, we are relatively in the same condition. When you look at it statistically, uh, over more than the last 50, you know, going on 60 years now, uh, since we have been engaged in this movement. So, right. uh, this article, uh, when you read the final call, it lays out the case. There's so, so many other, um, things that's in there. Uh, there still have this section dealing with, uh, the COVID-19, uh, even though it's not being talked about. I was on the phone with a, a friend and was just checking on him because he, uh, tested positive him and his wife and they're in and, um, you know, it's still out there yes, sir. and it doesn't matter if you're vaccinated or not vaccinated. Once you're exposed to it, you test positive. The thing now is not publicized because all the things that went along the, uh, on the peripheral, mm. as far as them profiting from it and all those things, all that stuff is, is, you know, is already yeah. rooted now. Right. So we can move on. So they want to give the appearance uh-huh. that things are all right. But if you notice and you just sit back, uh-huh. you know, uh, it hasn't gone anywhere. Praise also, Lord. in this week's final call. Listen up, y'all. They started uh, this week with the trial. Uh, a few years ago, uh, out in uh, Los Angeles, uh, our dear young brother, Nipsey Hussle. Yes, sir. Uh, community activist. Uh, many who, uh, prior to his uh, assassination, uh, hadn't really heard of him because of the mm-hmm. way that he uh, got into the music industry and the way that he rose up mm-hmm. uh, doing things uh, independently. Right, and do was Engaged in uh, uh, community um, revitalization as he was uh, really doing uh, what many other people do. Uh, they call it gentrification, but he was doing it uh, himself and uh-huh. uh, trying to establish his community, buying those properties so that uh, the wealth and the employment and all of those things would benefit his people. He was gunned down and his uh, trial of his uh, assailant is this week. And uh, Mm -hmm. we want to keep our eyes and ears open on that. But one of the articles, uh, Brother Shaheed, that Uh really, really resonated with me. Come on, man. Was this article where it says that the Illinois governor is willing to deploy the National Guard to Chicago. Mm. Did y'all hear that? You know, and just, just thinking about the National Guard... The National Guard is not a police unit. No, sir. It is an arm of the military. So if you're saying that crime, and and in the article, he he lays out the case. He says if he's asked to do it, then he will do it. If he's asked to do it, he'll do it. And so what he's saying is uh, black mothers and fathers and and those who live in these uh, neighborhoods who are under siege, but... Again, one of the axioms that we use when it says a soul that is in darkness. Come on, brother. If a soul is in darkness, sins will be committed. He said, but the guilty one is not he who commits the sin. Mm -hmm. It is he who creates the darkness. That's right. So the conditions in Chicago, just because, you know, this is the Illinois governor, but we can tell you this about many of the uh, cities here in America, where we live. These particular circumstances, we didn't create them. 
No, sir. And the crimes that go on there, as Dr. King said, are derivative crimes, you know, uh, of the greater crime. Yes, sir. Of decades of neglect, Uh decades of uh, indifference. And now when you see these things going on, you want to bring in the National Guard. Now, this article, it quotes the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. Yes, sir. Get to that, man. Because uh, years ago, he gave a lecture uh, entitled Revealing the Conspiracy, uh-huh. Youth, Gangs, Violence, and Drugs. Mm-hmm. And I want to quote what the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan says. He says, our community and black youth in particular mm-hmm. are about to become the victims of a conspiracy emanating from the government of the United States that is designed to bring about the destruction of our youth. Mm. He says, I say it again. The government of the United States of America is planning an assault on the black community specifically aimed at our youth. Mm. And the conspiracy, he goes on to say, is so deep and so diabolical that many of you will not even believe that at this very moment that I'm talking to you, your lives hang in the balance. Mm. Brother, brother, there's some more that he says in that, brother, where he talks about, um, it's in there. I had it pulled up on my digital edition of The Final Call, and I wanted the audience to hear the minister's words when he talks about how they're going to use well, I got to highlight it, brother. Well, brother, look, <laughs> I, I let you drop that, man, because what the, the what the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan has been warning us of, those of us who like to uh, say, well, he ain't saying nothing different. Well, that's because we haven't taken heed to what he's been saying. <laughs> so you need to hear it again and repetitiously. But every word that the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan has said to us, if we've been paying attention, and one of our problems is our attention span is pretty short. It's come in the past. And one of the things that they have done to help facilitate this conspiracy, and you know, and I'm gonna talk about that word in a second, Brother Kenneth, is the weaponization of certain drugs like marijuana and the weaponization of hip hop, where they've turned it from a cult- cultural expression that had its roots, its roots in the black community whereby we were rapping about getting out of our situation, you know, and doing better, whereby they've weaponized it and they have popularized gangster lifestyle and criminal behavior and illicit sex and drug consumption. So, and, and this is helping to facilitate behaviors, you know, that they will use to justify and the outcry will come from the parents. But you said you had the rest of the minister's quote highlighted, brother. Do you have it? Oh, yes, sir. Uh, we got a couple of minutes, so I'll read this. Uh, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan again goes on to say, Black youth, particularly black young men, are at risk today. And unknowingly, brothers, you are playing into the hands of mm. your enemy. And he's using you to set up your destruction and using the fear Come and on. the pain of your mothers to call for your destruction, the minister added. The Muslim leader also warned that the U.S. will deploy the National Guard 
and its other military forces to combat civil unrest or uprisings in the cities. Now, as we all know, and this really ties into what uh, Reverend Harris was telling us about history, uh-huh. that is most qualified to reward our research. Come on, when you look in the 60s, when they had the uprisings in the cities, the National Guard was called out to do what? To square the uprising. Right. If you move it forward, when you remember that when Michael Brown was killed in St. Louis or mm-hmm. Ferguson, and the National Guard, when they came in to restore order, mm-hmm. they didn't come in to talk to the people lovingly no, or kindly and ask them to move on. Uh-uh. You had one man standing there with a scowl on saying, come on, you animals, come on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they were armed to the teeth. You find that the police departments, if you go back and you look at the funding that they have been getting for several decades, mm-hmm. they are being uh, militarized yes, right sir. in your own community. Right. They used to just have a sidearm and a nightstick. Mm-hmm. Well, and a little they pepper spray. They don't roll like that anymore. They have black jackets today, man. You know, and, and you saw how quick the National Guard came to Ferguson. Mm-hmm. When with George Floyd, you had the situation in, in Minnesota and all of the uprising. I think it was Jacob Blake in Wisconsin mm-hmm. on the ready was the National Guard. So it seems to me that there's an undeniable objective to deploy the National Guard, as the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan stated years ago, Mm -hmm. to come in our community and then uh, do what they're designed to do. Again, the things you are asking for, Mm -hmm. more police, more protection, the, mm-hmm. the National Guard, if you read this article, that is not their job. Mm-hmm. So you investing is something, as Brother Enoch said, that you're not going to get in the first place. That's right. Because but when they get there and they do what they're trained to do, their response is going to be, hey, you asked me to come in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't just roll up in here. You requested this. That's right. So this is what we're going to do. And so that's just a few articles in this paper that we want to get into each and every one of our hands. Uh, Sometimes you may see the brother out with it. Sometimes you don't. But if you get your subscription, that's right. The paper can come to you. You don't have to go to the paper. The paper will be delivered to you. Yes. And uh, those in Holly Springs and in the immediate areas of Holly Springs, um, Write us, and I'm going to come back to this program because we have put together a brochure where you can fill out the brochure to subscribe to the Final Call uh, local delivery, and you can send it to P.O. Box number 517. Y'all may be familiar with that P.O. Box down there in Holly Springs and in Mississippi and North Mississippi, even all the way down to Tupelo. P.O. Box 517, Holly Springs, Mississippi, is the same P.O. Box that was used by our brother Alfred Skip Robinson, later known as Abdul Aziz Muhammad. We still have that P.O. Box. So send it to P.O. Box 517, Holly Springs, Mississippi, 38635. And we're going to get that trifold brochure out to you in the very near future. We may make it available. Or we will make it available on our website. We have our, our new newly established website uh, for the Holly Springs Study Group. Visit our website at 
noihollysprings.org. There's a link to our mother website, noi.org, nationofislam.org, if you want to visit our mother website. Uh, Brothers and sisters, it has certainly been a pleasure. Brother Kenneth, we only got got about eight minutes left uh, in tonight's broadcast. We certainly want to thank those of you who have tuned in. We thank our special guest, uh, Reverend Leona Harris, who came on and gave us, man, just uh, in the replay of this uh, podcast and every podcast will be posted on our website, uh, our Podbean website, and you can go and listen to the replay and we will put links out on social media. They will be there. This automatically push to all of our social media platforms where those that are on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, as well as our YouTube uh, studio webpage, you can go and listen uh, to the replay. So, uh, Brother Kenneth, man, look, I've enjoyed it. Hope you have enjoyed it. And we want to thank the listening audience, our brother, Brother Najee, Brother Keith, Sister Tammy, Sister Audrey, uh, my wife, Sister Shahida, Sister Coretta, Brother Michael, and um, Brother, where is he, Brother Quentin? And many, many others that have came on. Brother Quentin said, man, the sound is immaculate. And uh, we certainly want it to be that way because we want this to be a first-class podcast. It's for serious business. And uh, as you will see in the coming days, our goal, as Sister Harris said, is one of the ways to reconnect our young people uh, to our history is having podcasts like this and having the kind of meaning conversations on podcasts like this that will inspire our young people to get involved. Uh, we're going to be having some deeper conversations because we can, some of those conversations are going to be uncomfortable, Brother Kenneth, because uh, the uh, the uh, town talks that we've been having with the Mississippi on the Move town talks, uh, we have one coming up in August uh, in Clarksdale, Mississippi, I think it is, uh, down there with Brother Lorenzo. We need to talk about empowering our communities and controlling the resources and the uh, politics and the social uh, fabric of our communities. We need to run where we live. In other words, we need power. And and we, uh, in the Nation of Islam, we have a strong push to do for self and govern our own cities and our own towns and make decisions that are in the best interest of the whole. Okay, And for those that, uh, when Brother Kenneth was talking about the article, I said I was going to mention this, uh, people like to say that, well, they don't believe in a conspiracy. There they go with their conspiracy, Minister Farrakhan. Well, I just ask you the same thing the Honorable Louis Farrakhan asked a, a clergyman when he asked him, do you believe in the Bible? Well, of course, the preacher said he had to. He had to say he did believe in it if that's what he preaching every Sunday. Well, he just took him to where Pharaoh said of the children of Israel when he summoned all of his magicians and his people. And he said, come. Let us deal wisely with them. Let us kill the male and spare the female. Well, that is a context conspiracy. Two or more acting in concert to the detriment of another people, person, or what have you. So that is a conspiracy. So for those that you know, like to say, well, I don't believe in conspiracy theories. Well, conspiracies have gone on from time immemorial. They conspired to kill Jesus. They conspired to kill many of the prophets of God and successfully did so. So, brothers and sisters, just wanted to get that in. We're about three minutes out from the end of tonight's broadcast, and we want to thank you. We want to get 
that final call commercial in because, as I said earlier, we want about 1,000, 1,000 Holly Springs, Red Banks, Bahalia, and Victoria, Mississippi. Subscribe to that final call newspaper, and we'll be right back to close out after this message. What's your source for truth in news reports? No justice, no peace. No justice, no peace. Where do you turn for non-corporate driven news that's fair and balanced? Subscribe to the Final Call News, your number one free and independent news source that delivers hard-hitting national and international news coverage of today's political, economic, and social issues. To subscribe to local home delivery, call us at area code 662-252-8999. That's 662-252-8999. Visit our website at www.finalcall.com. Worldwide, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Download the Final Call Radio app and take us everywhere. On your phone, on your computer, on your tablet, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also log on to FinalCall.com and click the Listen Live button or FinalCallRadio.com. Final Call, Final Call Radio, the official voice of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam. And we are back and we're about to land this plane for tonight. We certainly want to once again, thank everyone for taking time out of your schedule to tune in to the Mississippi on the move podcast. Make sure you download that final call radio app to your smartphone and you can hear the minister whenever you please. All you have to do is log on to it and off you go. Brother Kenneth. Yes, sir. That's going to do it, man. Thank you for being here. and Thank you for your contribution. And we are signing off from the Mississippi on the Move podcast. And until next week, where we anticipate having the presence of the newly installed president of the Rust College, uh, Dr. Ivy Taylor. We anticipate her being our guest for next week. Make sure you tune in. But until next week, we leave you as we came before you with the greeting words of peace of Assalamu alaikum. Mississippi on the
And if you waiting on the pie in the sky, you better wake up fast. They told you a lie, cause big fields are waiting wide awake, man. Elijah's got the master. Mississippi on the move. Mississippi. Mississippi, Mississippi on the move. Mississippi. Injustice, we've had enough. All of our divisions we're breaking up. Destiny has been calling us. The spirit of the Most High is guiding us. Uh, see, the time is now. What you waiting on? Quit shooting your brothers. Put your gun down. Come on. They got a cage waiting for you if you keep that up. Early graves coming to you. From that, can't raise you up. Now, Sister Ida B and Fannie Lou, check them out and you'll know what to do. But if you really want your enemy to be alarmed, read the final call. Follow Farrakhan. Mississippi on the move. Mississippi, 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 on the move. Mississippi, on the move. Mississippi, on the move. Mississippi, Mississippi, Mississippi on the moon.